0: I had an aunt, she got her driver's license and she drove for a couple years and then she got some glasses. And then one day she's driving with my grandfather and she told my grandfather, I never knew that telephone poles weren't fuzzy. My grandfather was like horrified that he had been driving for a couple of years with someone who thought that telephone poles were fuzzy. Maybe some of you think they are, okay? Maybe you need to get your eyes checked, okay? But what happened and when she got glasses? Wow, the, the the world was so much different looking than without them, and that's what we're going to be learning about this morning: some glasses that we can put on that help the world come into focus. Our uh, point of today's message is that the beautiful gospel is our worldview. The beautiful gospel is a world, it's glasses that we can put on that help all of life come into focus. Uh, The the gospel not only saves us, it's a lens that we look at the world through because a worldview answers the big questions in life that we all have. Where did everything come from? What went wrong? How do we fix it? Where is history headed? That's what worldviews do. They answer those big questions. And and what I want to do today is I want to equip you to put on the gospel glasses so you can make sense out of the world in which we live. And then I want to equip you so well that you can actually help others put them on too, that they can put on the glasses and they can make sense out of the world in which we live too. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 3. And and if you don't... you, you. it would be good to bring one because you know what happens? If you pick it up, you can... And you know what the Bible smells like? It smells like Jesus. Because the whole Bible is about him and it smells so good. If you're new, we're we're walking through 1 Peter this year and the reason we're doing this is we're seeking to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. I don't know if you... Know, if know if you've noticed it, but our culture is getting increasingly hostile toward Christians. And so we gather on Sunday mornings, and I'm trying to equip you so that you can follow Jesus in a hostile culture. So we're in 1 Peter 3, verse 17, and we read, For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. Now, suffering is a major theme in 1 Peter we read the word suffer four times in the five chapters, and three times seven, three times, there's suffering. So seven times in these five chapters, we're going to read about suffer or suffering. We are broken people living in a broken world, and all of us will suffer. And what Peter says, if we're going to suffer, wouldn't you rather suffer for doing what's right than for doing what's wrong? And then he gives us Jesus. He says, think about Jesus. Isn't he our model for suffering, for doing what is wrong, or for doing what is right? For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. Jesus is our model for suffering, for doing what is right. But before we seek to follow the model of Jesus, (laughs) He needs to be our Savior first, right? First, we need Jesus to save us, and then he can show us how to suffer. We're going to be reading some of the most difficult verses in all the Bible to understand in just a minute. So before we get to some of the most difficult verses in the Bible, we're going to read a verse that's that's much easier to understand. This verse is the gospel, isn't it? The gospel that we love at good news, isn't this it? For Christ also died for sins. See the word sins. Gospel means good news, but there is bad news. We have a problem called sin. Listen, you ever look around the world and say, why is it so broken? Because we have all sinned. Now I've got a question for you this morning. What's the difference between you and God? What's the difference between you and God? Do you know what the difference is? God doesn't think he's you. Really, the difference between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. Because our biggest problem, what sin is, is we think we're God. We think we know better than God the path to happiness, don't we? Isn't that why we rebel against God? Isn't that why we push God away? No, no, no. Because we imagine we're God. And we know the path to happiness. And we know how to get to heaven on our own. And because we actually think we're wiser than God, we rebel against God over and over again. And the Bible says what we deserve for our rebellion against God is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things. That's the bad news Here's the good news for Christ. You see, Jesus is a God who put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save sinners like you and me. Also died for sins once for all. You see, he came to die once for all. You ever read about all the sacrifices in the Old Testament over and over again? But Christ died once for all. His death was sufficient once for all. Notice the just, the one who had never sinned for the unjust. He took our place. He became our substitute to atone for our sins on the cross, the just for the unjust. Why? So that he might bring us to God. Jesus took our sins upon himself died in our place, cried out from the cross, it is finished. He was buried. The third day he rose from the grave, proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers us eternal life. That is the forgiveness for our sins. It's the opportunity to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? That we would receive him, right, as our Savior and Lord? In John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus said, But as many as received him... Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Those who believe in Jesus, those who receive him as Savior and Lord, he forgives them, he gives them eternal life, and he gives them the privilege and the power to be children of God. But finally, how do we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord? It really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. If you've never done that, won't you? Don't you long to be forgiven? Wouldn't you like to do life and eternity with God? Wouldn't you like to be a child of God? It starts when we admit. There was a day in my life where I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. It's not just that the world is broken, I'm broken. Won't you do that? You can do that now or I'll give you a chance when we close in prayer. And then I said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Won't you? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me. Life is so much better when you know you're forgiven. And I want you to give me eternal life. In a world where people are so afraid of death, isn't it good to know we're going to live forever? And and then I said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And since my life has been under new management, (laughs) it's been so much better than when it was under me. Won't you receive him? And if you have... Listen, don't miss this. If we receive him, we are forgiven. We get to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. We're part of God's family. Okay, so verse 18 is pretty, pretty clear to get, okay? It's going to get much more difficult. But, but let me show you a word before we move on. Perspicuity. Uh, the perspicuity of Scripture means the things necessary for salvation in the Bible are so clear. They are so clear and so simple that anyone who has the Holy Spirit can understand it. Now, I don't understand why a word that's meant to be so simple is so difficult for me to say. But the perspicuity of Scripture is that what we need to know to be saved is so clear. It's so clear that anyone who has the Holy Spirit can understand it. But there are passages that are more difficult. And we're about to wade through some of the hardest verses in the Bible to understand. In which also he, Jesus, went and made proclamation to the spirits, now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So, uh, who were the people that Jesus preached to, and, and where are they, okay? And now what makes this, what's confused some people, I believe, is, is the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is confused people. Let me show you the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is a great summary of our faith. It's great, but I want you to notice what it says about Jesus, that he was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell. So some people see that sequentially. They're thinking that he was crucified, he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, and then he descended into hell. Um, So so they think that uh, between Jesus' death and his resurrection that he went to hell and he preached to those that were already in hell. Now John Calvin, a, a great theologian, said it's a good phrase, they just put it in the wrong place. That actually, to help us, it would go much better if we said that he was crucified, died, descended into hell, was buried, and then rose on the third day. Because when Jesus was on the cross, hell is separation from God and from all good things. And what did Jesus cry out on the cross? He cried out what? My God, my God, what? why have you forsaken me? That's when he was experiencing hell. He really did experience hell for us so we wouldn't have to. The reason I don't believe that it's between Jesus' death and resurrection, he was preaching to people in hell, was what did Jesus tell the thief on the cross next to him? He said, What? Today, you will be with me where? In paradise. And then when Jesus died, what did he say? He said to the Father, What? Into your hands I commit my spirit, right? And know what else? Jesus is our model, isn't he? He's our model in life. He's also our model in death. What will our death be like, just like Jesus? When he died, what happened? His body was laid in the grave, but his spirit went immediately to be with the Father, right? So will we. And then then the spirit came back into the body, and Jesus rose bodily from the grave, right? And that will happen to us one day, too. That's why I don't believe that, as well as in Hebrews 9, verse 27. This verse makes it very clear, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die... Once, and then after this comes judgment. There's not like a second opportunity after you die. When you die, that's it. So then, Smiley, well, what do you believe it's talking about? Well, the passage is about Peter showing us models of people who suffered for doing what is right. And he shows us Jesus, and then he shows us Noah. Noah that I believe that Noah was preaching repentance, that Jesus was preaching repentance through Noah. Um, And that's what he's talking about, that Jesus had preached the gospel to those who rejected the gospel during the days of Noah so that only eight people believed and got on the ark and were saved. Okay, going from one difficult verse perhaps to another. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Uh, The problem with people, sometimes they read parts of verses, right? If you stopped right there, that would be very confusing, wouldn't it? Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Now, if we keep reading, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. So what he's saying is not baptism, but what baptism points to. Baptism points to the washing away of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Baptism points to the renewing and regenerating and empowering work of the Holy Spirit. He says that what we need is to cry out to God to forgive our sins and to give us the Holy Spirit. And through that, which we, through that we are saved. Um, Listen, the whole story of Noah is the story of the Bible. It's the gospel, isn't it? What's the story of Noah? The story of Noah is that people were sinful, right? That's the bad news. The good news of Noah is God provided a way of escape, didn't he? And then God gave people 120 years to hear the gospel and believe. But then what happened? Then the rain fell, the water came, and those that were inside the ark, they were saved through the ark, through the water, and those who were outside perished in uh, water, right? Isn't that the story of the Bible, isn't it? Isn't that the truth now? That, listen, people are sinful, right? And God has provided a way for us to escape the judgment that is to come Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Get on the ark. But one day Jesus will come back and just like, just like in the days of Noah, those that have believed that those that have entered into the ark, they will be saved and the outside will perish. Listen, this passage tells us Jesus died for our sins. He rose. He's seated at the Father's right hand. And one day soon, he's coming back. He's coming back. Don't wait until it's too late to believe. Don't wait to go to that person you love and plead with them to come to faith in Christ until it is too late. Okay. So now we've walked through the passage. And and now I want to help you begin to understand how the Bible or how the the beautiful gospel is our worldview. The beautiful gospel is our worldview. It's a pair of glasses that we intentionally put on. It's a way of viewing all of reality. It's the answering of life's big questions where did everything come from? What went wrong? Uh, how do we fix it? And where is history going? Listen, the, the beautiful gospel is not only a pair of glasses we put on, on it is the story. It is the story of the Bible, the one story of the Bible. The Bible is not what many people believe, a collection of self-help tips. No, no, the Bible is one story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all the story of Jesus seeking and saving the lost. It's not only the story of the Bible, it's the story of the universe. It's the story of history. After all, history is what? It's his story, right? Listen, the gospel is the story of the universe. It answers the question of what, where did everything come from and what went wrong and how do we fix it and where is history headed? And I know many of you have heard this over and over again, but if you've been Christian more than a couple of weeks, you need to be reminded more than you've been taught. So I'm going to walk you back through the story. It's really, really important because we need to know it. It's our worldview. Chapter one of the great story is creation, right? And creation answers the question, where did everything come from? Where did everything come from? And it's a very different view of that question than our culture believes. So I always tell you, the most important verse in the Bible is the first one. Listen to the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know why that's so important? If you believe the first verse in the Bible, you will not struggle over anything else that comes. But if you stumble out of the gate, if you stumble over the first verse, you will stumble everywhere else in the Bible. Not only that, but it's such good news. We live in a culture that believes, in the beginning, nothing. In the beginning, there was an explosion. We've come from nothing. We're headed to nothing. And in between, we can be certain of nothing. And we say, no. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the story begins. It begins so good, doesn't it? Uh, And listen, when God looked over what he had made, he said it was what? Very good. And I want you to understand something. We were created for a person and a place. Our hearts long for a person and a place. And in the beginning, it was true. God walked with man in paradise, and it was on earth. We were created for a person, a place. It was so good. <laughs> and then that raises the question what? What happened? What happened? That's chapter two. Chapter two of the, of, of the great story of our worldview is the fall. That answers the question what went wrong? What went wrong? Our first parents sinned against God, and their sin wrecked everything no person, no place. The moment they ate, they were separated from God, spiritually dead, no person. The moment they ate, they were kicked out of the garden, no place, no paradise. Um, Listen, as we look around us, do we see a world that's broken, do we? Do we see that? Listen, that's the lens that we need to see through. Um, Psalm 14, verse 1, the, what, the, Fool has said in his heart, There is no God. We live in a culture that believes we can educate our children without beginning with God. The Bible says when we do that, that we're a fool. Not only that, but the Bible says when we don't begin with God, well, what happens? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. Do you ever look around and say, why is the world so broken? It's because of the fall. There is no one who does good. Uh, how many? The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have, help me, what? All turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. How often people say, well, Smiley, what about the good person? What about the good person who's never heard about Jesus? And you know what I say? That person has nothing to worry about. There's only one problem. What's that? He doesn't exist, he doesn't exist right? He doesn't exist. Listen, we're all flawed. The reason the world's broken is because we're all flawed. Oh, what does the Bible say in Jeremiah 17? Verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You ever see people and they're so convinced they're always right and everybody else is wrong? How could someone believe that? You know why? Because what we have an amazing ability to be self-deluded. We live in a culture that says, just follow what? Your Heart. heart. The one thing the Bible would say is, never... Trust your heart because the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Wow. Wonder why our world's broken? Because we all are, right? We come to the New Testament. Did you know that the religious leaders in Jesus' day was very concerned about what they ate? You know anybody's concerned about what they eat? But you know what Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth is more important than what goes into the mouth. So, so in Mark chapter 7, and here's why, and he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man for, from, within. Out of the hearts of men proceed the evil thoughts. Where does evil come from? It comes from where? Within. Any of you parents? Did you ever have to teach your kids to steal? or lie, or to be selfish. You have to teach them that? It came from where? It came from within. Now, others can help them improve their trade, right? But don't you have to teach them because it comes from... It comes. We're shocked with our kids. We're such good parents. How did they do that, right? It comes from within. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness. Does this sound like the world we live in? Listen, that's how we know the Bible is true. It makes sense, right? Uh, deeds of coveting and wickedness as well as deeds of as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Chapter 2, fall, what went wrong, man sinned against God, no person, no place, no person, no place. Evil comes from within, okay? Well, Chapter 3 is redemption. Chapter 3 is, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? And chapter 3 says, we can't, but Jesus can. We can't, but Jesus can. That Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Though this is such a good chapter. Do you know what religion, religion gives you a ladder. Religion gives you a ladder and says, listen, it's up to you. You, you run by rung, You climb up to God. You can do it. Try harder. One more rung, right? The gospel doesn't offer us a ladder. It offers us a savior, right? A savior who climbs down the ladder. He climbs down the ladder to save sinners like you and me. He climbs down and then he grabs us and he lifts us up to God, right? Isn't that the good news? For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The Bible from cover to cover is not about what we do for God. It's what he's done for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so flawed and I'm so messed up. I don't need a ladder, but I need a Savior. And you know why I love Jesus? Jesus because when I was bound for hell, he didn't say try harder. He came down and he saved me and he's bringing me to God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you see how different the beautiful story is, the beautiful gospel is from the thinking of our culture? Uh, You see, once we believe in Jesus, we get the person our hearts long for. We get to do life with Jesus, (laughs) but we're not in the place, right? Those of us who are Christians now, we have the person we long for. Are you with me? We're not in paradise, are we? But not, the, but not the place. But listen, chapter 4 is consummation. Chapter 4 is consummation. And it's where is history headed? Where is history headed? And what I love about we have an optimistic future. We believe Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, our bodies are going to be raised up. We're going to be whole forever. And we're going to have the person and place we've always longed for. And it's going to be on earth. Did you know that? Oh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to be here before the end of the year, I think. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Do you know why Jesus has not come back yet? Because he loves you. And he wanted to make sure maybe some here today have not yet received him. He wanted you to receive him as Savior and Lord so you'd be ready for that day. Or maybe he's delayed his return because there's someone you love. And you want them to be with you forever. And you've not gone to them and shared yet. He's giving you time to go and invite them to join you, will you? But notice, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day's coming just like the flood came. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intensity and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will be melt with intensity? But according to his promise, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Man, the best is yet to come. No matter if you're old like me, the best is yet to come, right? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What we were created for, what we lost, will one day be restored. We'll have new bodies that never get old, and we'll live on a new earth, and we'll have the person we always long for, and we'll be in paradise, and it will be on earth. That's the beautiful story. And when we understand the story, (laughs) we can be reasonably happy in this life. We can be reasonably happy in this life because we're doing life with the person. But we look ahead and know we'll be supremely happy in the life to come because we'll have the person in place we were made for. Now, I covered a lot, so let's do a little review because I think we need to beat this into our head. Chapter 1 is... Maybe chapter one is creation, creation. and it answers the question, "What, where did everything come from?" Right. Chapter two is Fall. fall, which answers the question, "What went wrong?" Right. Chapter three is, which answers, "How do we fix it?" We can't, but Jesus can. Chapter four is, which answers the question, "Where is history headed?" All right. Now that's the story. Now the next question is, "Well, how do we know it's true?" How do we know it's True. Well, again, I want to remind you of something I've taught you often, but we we, we need to really understand it, and that is the standard of truth and the evidence of truth. How do we know it's true? How do we know the gospel really explains the world we live in? The standard of truth is Jesus, is Jesus. Things that conform to Jesus are true and right. Didn't Jesus in John 14 say, I am the way and the truth and the life? No one comes to the Father but through me. How do I know the gospel is true, that this worldview is true? Because it's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught creation and fall and redemption and consummation. That's how I know. It conforms to the truth. And Jesus taught us not only is he true, but his word is truth, didn't he? In John 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In our day, we hear so many contradictory things, don't we? Don't you love the Bible? Don't you love a place we can come and find truth? So listen, the standard of truth. When we have a question, where did everything come from? What went wrong? How do we fix it? Where is history headed? We look at the standard. We listen to Jesus, right? That's the standard. But the next is the evidence of truth. The evidence of truth is how do you know something is true? Because it conforms to reality. It fits reality. Do you ever walk outside and see a beautiful world? You ever do that? The Bible's true. Someone created this. You're at the beach. You see the sunrise. It's beautiful. Wow. It, God made this. You see a giraffe. You see a zebra, right? You see a peacock. Wow. Someone made this, right? You see people. Sometimes you see the image of God in them. They're not accidents. They're created, right? Do you see creation? You do, don't you? How about fall? <laughs> I mean, you ever see a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake? Isn't that evidence of the fall? You ever see people do? Ter- you ever do something terrible yourself? Isn't that evidence that the fall is true? Uh, how about redemption? How about redemption? Uh, why don't people who drink too much just stop? Why don't people who have a pornography problem? Why don't they just stop? Hmm? Why? Because they're not able to. There's something wrong with us. We need a savior. We don't need a ladder. We need a savior. How about? Do you ever long? For peace on earth? Do you ever long for everything sad to become untrue? Do you know why we all long for that? Because that's what we were made for, and one day it will be true. So how do we know that the, the, the beautiful gospel worldview is true? Because it conforms to the standard of truth, Jesus, and the evidence of truth, it explains the world we live in. So when we put on our gospel glasses, when we put on the, the, the gospel glasses, it, it helps us to make sense out of the world we live in. As we go through life, we're not surprised by the beauty of creation. We're not surprised. We're not surprised by the sinfulness of man. We're not shocked when we do terrible things because we realize we're flawed. We recognize that what people need is not to try harder. They need a Savior, right? It makes sense out of the world we live in. Listen, when when we put on the gospel glasses, it helps us to spot the counterfeit worldviews in our culture, the false worldviews. I mean, we're hearing all the time now about critical theory, right? Critical theory, there's oppressors and oppressed. You hear that? That all the problems come from the oppressors. You ever hear that? Or critical race theory that says what? Listen, that that all the problems in the world come from white people. They're the problem. And and people of color, listen, they don't do anything wrong. You ever hear that? But what does the Bible teach? It says what? That all people are sinners, right? And you know what? We have so much in common regardless of the color of our skin. We're all sinners and we all, need a, we all need a Savior, right? You see, when you get the four chapters, you can spot the false worldviews. Listen, when you have the four chapters, you'll be able to share the gospel and answer people's questions. When I share the gospel, people say, well, Smiley, if there is a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? Okay, you've got your four chapters now, right? Think about it for a moment. How do you answer the question? (laughs) Listen, the world God created didn't have suffering. And and the world that will be one day, there won't be suffering. We live in between. And Jesus right now is saving people so they can be a part of a world where there's no suffering. Don't you wanna be there? I mean, you're talking with someone and they say, why doesn't God do something about suffering? If you know the four chapters, you can answer the question. You can. He has. He is. And He will. He has done something about suffering. He suffered for us. Who ever heard of a God? who suffered for his people. Whoever did, we did. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. He suffered for us. He's working in the world today. He's saving people and he's coming back and one day that world we long for with no suffering will be true. Don't you want to be there? Huh. Or <laughs> I share with people and they say, you know Smiley, the, the people I know at work who don't know Jesus, they're so much nicer than the people I know who go to church. And uh, man, if you got the four chapters, you can handle it, man. I'll say, me too. I'll say, you know why that's true? You see, the people at church, they're so rotten, they recognize they're rotten. They recognize their only hope is Jesus. And so they're there because they say, he's our only hope. The sad thing about the nice people at work is they're not bad enough to recognize they're bad. And they need a savior. Uh, If you get the four chapters, you'll be amazed how it helps you to answer the objections people make to the faith. So what I want you to do this week is I want you to put on, I want you to put on our gospel glasses each day. I just want you to put on our glasses each day. Very, as we get up in the morning, some of you wear glasses. You get up, you can't see, you put them on, right? Listen, if you don't put on your gospel glasses, all of life will be blurry to you. It will not make sense. But if you put them on, you'll be amazed at how much different the world looks. And you say, well, how do we do that? Listen to how simple the Bible makes it in Colossians 1. One of my favorite verses, he is before all things and in him, what? All things hold together. You know what that means? When you look at Jesus, what? Everything, what? Everything else. It's not fuzzy anymore. It's not fuzzy anymore. It's all clear. If you look at Jesus, he holds everything together, right? Creation and fall and redemption and consummation. Or how about a few verses later in Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden, what? All the treasures of wisdom. What if you believe there was one place you could go and there you would find all the treasures of wisdom there is. It's Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know where we came from and what went wrong and how do we fix it? We're, you can know, you can know it's right there. So what I want you to do this week when you get up and you spend time with Jesus, put your glasses on, just take a moment and and go through the four chapters. Chapter 1, creation. Where did everything come from? God made everything. He made us for a person and a place. Chapter 2, fall. Listen, the fall wrecked everything. No person, no place. Chapter 3, redemption. How do we fix it? We can, but Jesus can. Consummation. Where is history headed to the day Jesus is coming back, right? Put them on. And then as you go out through the week, you'll find all week long, you say, it's true, it's true, it's true. It explains the world I live in. Listen, if you put them on, you'll spot the counterfeit, the false worldviews, and you'll be able to counteract them. I mean, when you hear the world is is divided into oppressors and oppressed, can't you ask someone, is it possible for an oppressor to do anything right? And then... Do you think oppressed people could ever do something wrong? I mean, if an oppressed person commits adultery, is is that wrong? Is it wrong? Listen, you you can be equipped, you can be equipped to to ask questions, to expose people that their worldview is false. And then hopefully if they ask us, we can share how our worldview is true. And I want you to know our worldview works. It's not true because it works, but it works because it's, It's true. It's the truth. It explains the world. And listen, if you will put on your worldview, you'll find that you can share the gospel this week from all four chapters, all four chapters. You're out surfing. It's a beautiful day. And you say, you ever wonder where this came from? It's so beautiful, right? What a great way to have a conversation. Or this week when people are saying, man, our country's such a mess. The world is so broken. Why not ask them? Why do you think the world's so broken? If, if they ask you back, point them to Jesus, right? Or how about redemption? This week I'm behind a car and the bumper sticker was, um, when the power of love is greater than the love of power, there will be peace on earth. It said, when, when the power of love is greater than the love of power, there will be peace on earth. I would love to have asked the driver, where do we get a love like that? Where do we get a love that really would free us from the love of power? Because it seems like we've had a 6,000-year history of people loving power. more. Where do we get it? And if they didn't have a clue, I could point them to Jesus, right? Because he can. Uh, How about consummation? Uh, Isn't that a great way to connect with people? People say, man, I just wish, I just wish, There wasn't so much division in our country. And I I just wish that everybody could get along. Won't you say, me too? Me too? And you know, one day it will be true. One day, everyone will get along. Don't you want to be there? Don't you? You really, really can. You see, Jesus is so amazing. He doesn't give us a ladder. He actually climbs down the ladder. And he lifts everyone, he lifts everyone who wants to be there right to that place we long for in our hearts. You can do it. You really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for climbing down the ladder to to seek and save us. Thank you. Thank you for dying once for all, the just for the unjust, to to, to bring us to God. Uh, If you'd like to be reconciled to God, if you'd like eternal life, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and Help me be the person you want me to be. (laughs) If you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Oh, Jesus, we're so thankful that your word is true, that this worldview is true. And I pray this week that we would wake up and we would put on creation and fall and redemption and consummation. We would put it on and remind ourselves. And as we go out, we would say, it fits, it fits, it fits. It's true, it's true. It's a beautiful story. Lord, as we have a a gospel worldview. Help us to to see the false worldviews of our culture and give us courage to speak up and expose how they're false and to point people toward you. Jesus, thank you for the four chapters and how they're great, great opportunities for us to share Christ with others. Help us this week to use all four chapters to point others to you. And we pray in Jesus' name.